Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen today. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you. If you have any questions about today's message, please contact us. We're here to help. Now sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. Good morning. We're starting a new series out today that uh, the underlying theme is going to be working toward our packing Sunday for Operation Christmas Child. The title of the series is uh, Life Out of Death. When I think about that uh, phrase, life out of death, that really describes what Jesus did for us. He died for us, uh, and then he took his life back up to give us the hope that we can have everlasting life ourselves. So through faith in him, we can move from uh, death into everlasting life. I'm going to read some verses here in just a second that'll be like our send-off uh, verses for the series. But where we're going to be in the message is in 1 Kings 17, uh, in verse 17 through 24. So if you want to find your place in your Bible there. and uh, But to set the context for the series, uh, I want to uh, read a little bit out of Ephesians chapter 2. And really, I'm just going to talk through part of it. I probably won't read uh, all those verses. You can read it later. Uh, but in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, more or less what happens there, Paul is talking about the way we were before we knew Christ as our Savior. And, and then he comes to this little phrase, but God, uh, because God was rich in mercy, uh, that's the way we were lost. We were dead in trespass and sin, but now we're alive uh, in Christ. So uh, it said there, and you were dead. And trespasses and sin. That's what the Bible teaches about us before we receive Christ. In which you once walked. We used to walk that way, live that way. Following the course of the world, uh, following the prince of the power of the air, which of course is, is Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But then it goes on and it says, but God, even though that's the way we were, but God, even though we were dead in our trespass and sin, God was rich in mercy. God was rich in, in a great love that he had for us. And even though we were dead in sin, he made us alive in Christ. When we trust him as Savior, he makes us alive in Christ. Not only that, but God is so sure that when you trust Christ as your Savior, you're alive in Christ. He views it as though you're seated with him in heaven already. And he said that in the ages to come, he's going to show us, he's going to teach us, he's going to uh, help us understand more uh, how uh, deep, how indescribable his mercy is, how great his grace is uh, for the ages to come. So that's kind of the send-off text for this series, because like it or not, the Bible says that if you don't have Christ as your Savior, you are dead, you're spiritually dead in trespasses and sin. We're going to wind up looking at a, at a passage of Scripture uh, and a story about the prophet Elijah to where he's going to stretch himself out over a boy that has died. 
And as we do that, I want you to get the image in your mind of us stretching ourselves out over the children of the world. He literally physically stretches himself out over this child that had died. But get the image that through things like Operation Christmas Child, through things like supporting missions and sending missionaries to foreign countries, through things like the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, we had someone uh, sharing with us last week about that. Through that type of ministry, we get a chance to stretch ourselves out over the lostness of the world, over lost children in the world. So I want you to get that image in your mind because we're working toward on November the 15th, having a packing Sunday. And I understand, guys, it's been a strange year. 2020 has been. We've had COVID in the middle of it. It's not easy for you to go shopping. But I want to just say up front, and I may say this near the end of the message or in the middle of it too, let's not let COVID-19 keep us from reaching out to the children of the world. Amen? Let's not allow the circumstances that we've been in to keep us from doing more than ever. Last year, I said, let's do 1,000 boxes. The year before, it was 700. When I said 1,000 last year, some people thought I'd gone and lost my mind. But we did over 1,000 last year. Let's do that or more this year and view how we can stretch ourselves out over the lost children of the world by trying to minister to them and trying to reach them. Now, to set a little bit of the context of what takes place in uh, 1 Kings 17, uh, Elijah was God's prophet. Elijah was told by God to go into this wicked king by the name of Ahab and to tell him this. He went and told Ahab, God has said, it will not rain until I say it's going to rain. Wouldn't that get the attention of leaders in our world if somebody could stand up with the word of God and walk into the president's office or walk into some king's office or whatever and say, thus says the Lord. It's not going to rain. This isn't going to happen until I say it's going to happen. And so they had a, a big famine taking place in the land because of this drought that was taking place. God tells Elijah, I want you to go down to this widow's house and, and this widow is going to take care of you. She's going to feed you. So Elijah does what God says. He goes down to this widow's house uh, in the region of uh, Sarapath, and he sees her outside. He calls over to her, and he says, go make me some bread to eat. And she responds like this. She said, I only have about a handful of flour, and I've got just enough oil to make two cakes, one for me and one for my son, and we're going to eat them, then we're going to go die. In other words, she had lost all hope. She didn't feel like there was any chance at all. She thought, this is all I have. I'm, I'm going to bake this, and I'm going to go die. And instead, here's what Elijah did. Instead of Elijah saying, well, all right, go ahead and eat your food and, and die then. Here's what he said. He said, go ahead and make some bread for me. And, and he said, after you do that, here's what God's going to do. God will never let the flour run out. God will not let the oil run out until it rains again. In other words, until the famine is over with, until the drought is over with. So she went and fixed something for Elijah to eat, something for her to eat, something for her son to eat. And then they had food ongoing because God kept just allowing that flour to exist and that oil to increase. So they had something to eat for days and days. That's a pretty good miracle, isn't it? Hey, you ever heard the phrase, you ain't seen nothing yet? <laughs> That's the story we're going to talk about today. You've not really seen anything yet. Hold on to your seats for the rest of the story. Because as we go into verse 17 down through verse 24, 
We're going to see there's a really tragic situation, but we're going to see the tragic situation turn into a triumphant story. And as we talk about this, guys, view the tragic situation of our world. Think about the tragic situation of lostness in our world, the tragic situation of children, and just maybe how we can let God work through us to turn that tragic situation into a triumphant story. Let's talk about the tragic situation to, to start with. There's really two main tragedies, I think, in this story. The first tragedy is this. It's a physical tragedy, a physical tragedy. A child dies. A child dies. Look at what I said in verse 17. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house. In other words, after the food being increased, after God increasing the flour and the oil, after them having plenty to eat, after her being without hope, and now she has hope, after this, her son becomes ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. In other words, he, he died. Then that's how severe the sickness was. The, the, the sickness and death of anybody is a tragedy. All the deaths that's happened because of COVID in, in this year, not just in our nation, but across the world, all that's a tragedy. The, the tragedy of just one person, especially you know, even an adult, no matter their age. To me, the, the sickness and illness and death of someone, that's, that's a tragedy. But not as much of a tragedy, maybe that's just the way I feel, <laughs> as a child dying. As a child dying. Years ago, when, after I'd just been called in the ministry, I was at a funeral home. And I was at this funeral home, and I wasn't there for the, the funeral I'm going to talk about. I was there for another funeral. But I happened to look into a side room, and it was for a funeral that would be taking place later. And I saw a casket about this long. And, and I walked in, and I looked down in the casket, and there lay this little infant child in the casket. And I still can feel the way I felt then. I thought, man, that's, that's just wrong. You know, that's just so wrong. All the hopes the parents might have had. All the potential of that child's life, all the dreams they may have had for, the, for that child, and it's gone. So, so that's where this mistress is. That's where this widow is in this story. Imagine her heartbreak. Imagine the shock. Hey, she thought things were going to be better, and now all of a sudden her son gets sick and her son dies. And look at the hurt that she would have had in her life. And, and guys, not just the fact that, that, that she's lost her son. She's a widow. She, she's already lost her husband. And as she loses all the hope and aspirations and the dreams she may have had because this child dies. There, there are parents across the world that are worried about their child dying. I mean, even in America, we have those concerns. I remember when Jared was about 12, uh, my son, uh, Becky's son, he came uh, down with an autoimmune hepatitis, and it was attacking his liver. And, uh, and they just had us all to pieces, and I didn't know if he's going to survive or what's going to happen with that. And, and the Lord blessed him. He's 28 years old now, not having any struggles with that now. But if I tell you, I was worried as a parent. Some of you have been worried as parents before over your children, afraid that, that your child might die, because that's just something that doesn't seem right for your child to die before you do. That's where this woman was. But there are other parents across the world that don't have the health care system that we have. They don't have the capabilities that we have. And, and parents are worried all across the world that their, that their children might die. Let me give you some physical. This, we're talking about the physical tragedy. We'll get to the spiritual tragedy in a moment. But let me give you some physical statistics about children dying in the world. Globally, 3.9% of all children die before reaching the age of five. 
That means on the average, 15,000 children die every day. A child under age 15 dies every five seconds. The average is about 8 million children under age 5 die every year, most from preventable and treatable conditions. Over one-third die from malnutrition. 14% of the children under age 5 die because of something called diarrhea. A simple thing for us in our land that we can treat, but in these third world countries, they they can't treat. And 14% of the children that die in the world die from a simple disease like that. More than 1 billion children are severely deprived of at least one of the essential goods or services they need to survive and to grow and to develop, such as nutrition or or clean water or sanitation facilities or access to basic health care, adequate shelter, education and instruction for their parents, how how to keep their children healthy. Most of the children die in the world's poorest countries, in the sub-Saharan Africa and in South Asia. The death rate of children in non-industrialized or developing countries is 29 times higher than the death rate in an industrialized or a developed country across the world. Guys, in the day that we live in, you might not think about it that much because the, the world we live in in America, but across the world, children are dying physically all the time. So it's a physical tragedy for a child to die, but it's also a spiritual tragedy seen in this story. The spiritual, the spiritual tragedy in this story is this. It, it appears to me the widow had a wrong view of God, a wrong view of God. Verse 18, she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? Have you come down here to bring my sin to my remembrance and to cause the death of my son? I mean, just a few minutes ago, a few days ago, she would have been happy We've got food to eat now. I've got some hope now. But, but now all of a sudden her son's sick and her son dies and, and she seems to lash out at Elijah in her hurt. She seems to, to be lashing out at Elijah and also to God. I mean, if you kind of read the underlying story, it's kind of like this. God sent you down here. Did God send you down here just to, just to chasten me because of my past sin? Did God send you down here for my child to die because of my past? So the woman's view must have been something like this. I've had a lot of bad things in the back of my life, in the earlier part of my life. So now God's killed my child because of the things that I did. She just had a wrong view of God. And guys, regrettably, all across our world, that's a spiritual tragedy. There are multitudes of people all across the world that have a wrong view of God. Many people don't think God even exists. Some people worship an idol as the God. Some people worship their ancestors as their God. So some people just have a completely wrong concept of who God is and God's motives, and, and, and they don't understand God to be a loving God. They, they think that somehow God's against them. Some people even worship demons, knowingly or unknowingly. And the, the great spiritual tragedy, guys, in the world is this. People don't really know God. That's a spiritual tragedy in our world. Multitudes of people don't really know God. They misunderstand the heart of God, the motives of God, and they think that God and the people that follow him are against them. And that's the way a lot of people are in the world. Look at some more stats on the screen. 
six billion people. I mean, that's changed, of course, uh, even today. But that's roughly the approximate world population in the world today. Every day, 154,937 people on average die without faith in Christ. These stats are from the International Mission Board of the Southern Meadows Convention, the most recent current stats that they have. That's about two people every second. Technically, 1.7 people every second. You've been taught how to count off seconds before 1,000 without looking at your watch, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. Think how many people in that length of time, as I counted the seconds off, died, lost forever. That number that I gave you a minute ago on a daily basis, that's almost twice the population of Caldwell County. In 2019, the population of Caldwell County was 82,178 people. So worldwide, it's almost twice the population. It is like everyone in Caldwell County doubled, has died, and not just died, but they've, they've gone to a Christless eternity. They've gone to a place called hell forever. That's what the Bible teaches. We might not like it, but that's even what Jesus taught, guys. That's what he said with his own words. It's almost the population of Catawba County. Catawba County in 2019 had 159,551 people. It's almost like everyone in Catawba County is dead in one day, and they've all gone to an eternity without God, separated from God for all eternity. That's the stats in the world that we live in. Multiply that daily amount, the number of days in the year. And that's 56,552,005 people. Dying lost forever, every year. I'm not comfortable with that figure, are you? I'm not comfortable with one. But I'm definitely not comfortable with 56 million people dying, lost in the world every year. That's why we need to be involved in ministries like Operation Christmas Child. Samaritan's Purse, that's one of the ministries they have. And not just that, but when there are natural disasters and tragedies across the world, they go and respond there. Our missionaries that we support at Christmas time, international missionaries through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. They, they, they go trying to impact lostness in the world. And guys, we have the opportunity to impact lostness. We have the opportunity to stretch ourselves out over the children of the world through Operation Christmas Child. Let me give you some better stats. Last year in 2019, 10,569,405 Operation Christmas child shoeboxes were collected. That means 10.5 children in over 100 countries and territories received a box with items in it communicating to them that somebody in another country cared enough to pack that shoebox. And the items in it are simple. It's something our children might turn their nose up at, but the items are simple. 
And those children that receive those shoeboxes have the opportunity to go through a discipleship evangelism type study called The Greatest Journey. In 2019, 4.3 million children enrolled in The Greatest Journey. In 2019, 2.2 million children came to faith in Jesus Christ because of Operation Christmas Child. Now, you might look at that and say, yeah, but 56 million are dying. That's true. That's why we need to do more. We need to do all that we can. 56 million are dying lost, but there's 2.2 million that won't go to hell. There's 2.2 million children that have been saved. There's 2.2 million children who them and their families have been impacted by the gospel. Guys, I've been a pastor for 35 years, a little bit over 35 years now, and maybe I need to do some more research before I make statements like this, but I don't know of any ministry in the world for the effort that's put into it and the money that's put into it that has the kind of return concerning evangelism as Operation Christmas Child. Our missionaries or anything else, I don't know of anything else that's impacted in the world with 2.2 million salvations a year. And that's why I'm just challenging you as we look toward this packing Sunday coming up in November 15th. We are looking at Operation Christmas Child this year. That's why I'm challenging you for us to do more than we've ever done before to try and change a tragic situation in our world. So many people lost, so many children lost that we can try and change that into a triumphant story. That we can stretch ourselves out through Operation Christmas Child over the children of the world. So let's talk about a triumphant story in the rest of our, our passage of Scripture, verse 19 through 24. The tragic situation of this boy dying has turned into a triumphant story, a happy story. Uh, Elijah exhibits faith in what he does here, faith in God. And we need to learn from Elijah. We need to recognize how we need to ask God to use us, and we need to have the mindset and the actions in our lives and in our churches trying to meet the physical needs, but better than that, the spiritual needs also of children and their families across the world. In the actions of Elijah, I see some actions that we need to do ourselves. Let me just run through those. There's no fill in the blank. The reason I didn't give you a fill in the blank on the second point, I don't want you to write. I want you to listen. I want you just to understand and, and be hit fairly rapidly with these thoughts about we need to do what Elijah did. We need to see here a picture of some things that we can do ourselves. First of all, let us ask by faith for the children of the world. Look at what happened in the first part of verse 19, talking about Elijah. He said to her, to this widow, give me your son. He wasn't saying, give me your son so I can bury him. He wasn't saying, give me your son and, and understand this situation is just, uh, you know, it's going to be like that forever. Elijah was acting by faith. Elijah believed God was going to do something. And Elijah comes to this widow and he says, give me your son. Guys, we need to have that mentality. We need to have a faith mentality to where we look at the lost children of the world and say, God, give us those children. God, let us minister to those children. We, we need to have that type of mindset. The second thing that he does here that we need to emulate and copy ourselves is this. Let us carry the children of the world in our arms. The second part of verse 19 said, and he took him from her arms and carried him into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. 
Now, I'm not talking about literally carrying the children of the world in our arms because we don't all have the capacity to do that. But some people do. Some of you could have that availability, that capacity. If you have the chance and the ability for you to take a a child of this world and carry that child in your arms and lead that child to Christ and meet the physical needs of that child, we ought to do it. Becky's brother, several years ago, adopted a little girl out of China. She was almost the age that they would never let her leave communist China, but they were able to go over there and adopt her right a few months before she would never have been able to leave the country. She was in an orphanage. And somehow in that orphanage in China, somebody had already kind of started prompting her about Jesus and telling her the story of Jesus. Becky, if I'm remembering right, wasn't she just left on the street or something like that or left out? And so Danielle had just been left out on the street. And, and yet Tim, Tim and his wife, they, they went over there to China and they went through the proper systems and everything. They adopted her. They brought her back. Within maybe, I don't know, the first year or something like that, guess what? She comes to faith in Christ. And she gets baptized at our home church, Cub Creek Baptist Church over there. And now I still see her putting things on her Facebook at age 22 and everything about, about Jesus and you know, posting those kind of things. I, I'm just saying if you can physically do it, do it physically. If you can physically impact the life of a child, do that. But guys, all of us can have the mentality of doing it. All of us can say, God, through Operation Christmas Child, through whatever we can do, God, we want to impact children across the world. God, we want to be as though we're carrying them in our arms. Look what Elijah did. He carried the child, he carried this boy up into his own room where he was lodging, and he put it on the own bed where he was sleeping. Guys, that just gives me a, a big picture of compassion, and that's the way we ought to view children as though, as we reach out to them, whether it be through Operation Christmas Child or whatever, we ought to view it as though we're bringing them to our own room. We're bringing them to our own bed. We're, we're that concerned about them. We're showing them that level of compassion because you kind of see that in the story. The next thing we ought to do that I see in the life of Elijah is, is this. We, we ought to cry to the Lord over the children of the world. Look at verse 20. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? He's crying out to God. He's, he's going to ask God to do something to, to, to bring life back into this child. Can, can I ask you a serious question? When was the last time you cried over the children of the world? When was the last time maybe you even cried over your own children? When was the last time you cried over the condition of lostness in our world? Now, I, I can tell you when it was for me. It was this past week as I was doing the message on Monday. That was the last time besides this morning, me getting emotional some. But I was doing my sermon study, putting this together. Drew, my grandson, happened to walk over to our cabin for a minute. And I know he's only 10. Am I right? He's 10. Is that right? I'm, you know, I'm old. I'm not enough for you. And I told him, and I, Becky said, later, you put, a lot, you put a lot in his young mind. I said, maybe we need to do that more. And I showed him those stats on lostness. I showed him about 56 million people a year dying without Christ. And he said, Papa, that's really bad, isn't it? And I said it was, and I started crying. And I'm not trying to build myself up. It had been way too long before that event since I'd really cried over the children of the world. 
I'm just challenging you guys. Will you do that? We, this is a season we're going to be trying to minister to children through Operation Christmas Child. We ought to be crying out to God and saying, God, do something. God, move. God, change them. God, God do something in their lives. The next thing we ought to do is this. It's the title of this message. Let us stretch ourselves out by faith over the children of the world, trying to bring life out of death. Look at verse 21 through 22. And he, Elijah, stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. I want you to notice three things in those verses. Here's the first one. We don't need to give up. We don't need to give up. It's awfully easy to look at our culture and look at our world and think, man, how bad things are. We just need to sit back and wait for Jesus to come back and get us out of this mess and kind of dust our hands of it. It's awfully easy for us to have an excuse on Operation Christmas Child this year and say, eh, but because of the COVID, we've not been able to shop and things like we need to. You can now. You can make up ground now. And instead of saying we, we can't do it, we don't need to give up. Elijah didn't give up. Uh, Elijah prayed over, stretched himself out over this boy and prayed three different times, stretched himself out over him three different times. Elijah could have stretched himself out over him the first time, prayed, nothing happened. And Elijah said, well, man, I guess he's just too far gone. No, no, you know, I, I tried and it didn't work. But he didn't do that. He prayed over him the second time, stretched himself out over him the second time, and the third time stretched himself out over this boy, and he prayed before God, and he asked God to move, and God answered the prayer, and God moved. So, guys, for us to stretch ourselves out over the children of the world, we, we need to not give up. We need to not allow COVID to give us some kind of excuse for not making our goals and impacting children through Operation Christmas Child this year. This also means we believe God will hear us because as he's praying, it said that God heard and, and God still hears us. God, God hears us when we cry out to him. Our problem is we don't cry out to him enough. He hears us. He wants us to cry out to him. We need to spend time in prayer with God and asking God to move in the lives of these children, asking God to move in our world. This means that we believe that God can bring life out of death because that's what he did in the story physically in this story. God can do it physically, but God can do it spiritually. The multitudes of children who are spiritually lost, spiritually dead across the world, we need to cry out and ask God, God move, God do something, God, God bring them eternal life. We've got abundant evidence. I gave you the stats earlier. We have abundant evidence that God is using Operation Christmas Child. So we need to invest in that ourselves as much as we can to try and impact the lostness of of the world, the lostness of children. We also need to do this. Let us help bring hope to families across the world by delivering to them spiritually alive children through the gospel of Christ. Look what Elijah did in verse 23. And Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Look at what happened there. Pretty big change took place. He was dead, now he's alive. 
That's true of people spiritually. They were dead, and now they're alive because of the gospel, and they trust Christ as Savior. Guys, we have the opportunity through Operation Christmas Child to hand back to families or children in the best situation they've ever been. Their children brought from death into life. We, we can do that through ministries like Operation Christmas Child and share the gospel with them. Now, I know someone's thinking and, and maybe going to push back a little bit, but, but pastor, all those families out in the world don't want their children to receive Christ. A lot of people in Islam or you know, Buddhism or other types of religions that are out there, they don't want them to receive Christ. Well, I understand that's true, but I also understand this. The most important one wants them, the Father does, because he put his son on a cross, and he wants them to come to faith in him, and he wants to bring them from death into life. One last thing. Let us trust in the power of God and so give through Operation Christmas Child that families across the world will be convinced there is a God in heaven who loves them. Look at verse 24. And the woman said to Elijah, catch these little three words, now I know. Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Focus on those three little words. Now I know. Why did she know? She saw the power of God. She saw the compassion of Elijah carrying her dead son in his arms, praying over him and bringing him back to her. And she says, now I know that what you say is true. Guys, that ought to be a challenge for us. Through Operation Christmas Child, we have the opportunity to convince families across this world that God loves them, that God is interested in them, that God wants to change their lives, that God wants to minister to them. Those that go through the greatest journey Bible study and trust Christ as their Savior, they can say, now I know. They can be convinced by something as simple as a little shoebox that, hey, somebody does care. Somebody does love me. Now I know what you're saying is true. That's why we need to take action. Us praying for the children of the world, yes, we ought to do it. We ought to cry out for the children of the world. But guys, they need to see us take action to minister to them, to meet their physical needs and to meet their spiritual needs. Because as they receive that ministry, as they see the love of Jesus in our lives, as they see the love of Jesus in missionaries, as they see the love of Jesus in a, in a simple shoebox, it can convince them. And they say, now I know what you've been saying is true. That's why we need to do all that we can through Operation Christmas Child. So people of the world will say, now I know the gospel is true. I want you to get the image in your mind of Elijah stretching himself out over a dead boy three times and crying out to God. Have you got that image in your mind? Because here's our invitation today. And if you're someone that's lost and you need Christ as your Savior, I'll be at the stage. You can come interrupt me or you can come see me or John after the service. But here's the main part of the invitation. 
I asked you earlier how long it's been since you have cried out to God for the children of the world. That's what we're going to do at the end of this service. And I want you to move some way. If you don't feel comfortable being right beside someone at the front because of the COVID situation, move to a back wall. Turn around in the aisle and face your chair or whatever, but make some kind of move. Because we need to cry out to God and say, God, bring life out of death, life out of spiritual death for these children across the world. We need to come and cry out and say, God, use Operation Christmas Child like never before. We need to come and commit and say, God, I'm going to do more than I've ever done before in Operation Christmas Child. In spite of COVID-19, in spite of the way 2020 has been, God, I'm crying out. I'm asking you, God, to change the lives of people in the world to change that 56 million a year that are dying lost without Jesus. We'll have a song during the time. Sandy's going to come out and sing. But I don't want you singing with her. I want you to come and pray. And I invite you to do it now. Let's pray. Let's stretch ourselves out over the children of the world. I want to challenge you as you go from here because it's real easy based upon what I said to get the idea that, uh, well, if we just give, if we just send a shoebox, if we just send money to missions, that that's our obligation. No, it's the obligation of every Christian to share the gospel. It's the obligation for us to impact lostness where we live. You don't like what you see on the news. You don't like what's taking place in our country. It's not because of one political party or another political party, and neither political party is going to fix it. I can tell you where the fault lies. The fault lies at the feet of the church because we failed to disciple people. We have failed to proclaim the gospel as we should. And if you don't like what you see in your world, go change it by sharing the gospel with people around you. God bless you. Have a great week. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.